Welcome to the weekend must watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the latest in entertainment, in streaming theaters, and on demand. I am your co host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's pretty handy on the grill. It's Arturo Zurita. In the most brooding way possible. But, Zach, we had a slow <laughs> week. Which means that there's something big on the horizon. <laughs> Theaters don't get quiet, and everybody goes their separate ways unless it's mm-hmm. a big thing. What, what do they say? When the the night is darkest before the dawn is where we're at right now at this point in time. The embargoes <laughs> yeah. have lifted for a really big movie that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, that would be the Nirvana-inspired <laughs> <laughs> Studio 666. 66. <laughs> Obviously, the movie on everybody's lips is the, the only the way we brooding. can start the weekend must watch. Yeah, the the frightening movie with familiar p- faces in unfamiliar roles. Uh-huh. Obviously, we're talking about Studio 666, right? That's the big movie of the weekend. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot else to talk about uh, than movies like this as people are clearing the way in March. I think I read on Twitter that there's only going to be th- after after uh, Pixar removed or Disney removed Pixar's taking turning red, turning red out of theaters. Mm-hmm. There's only going to be three wide release movies in the entire month of March. So I, do, yeah. we're going to be have to picking from the the streaming scraps here on South by like going into it I was like what movies am I going to miss? Nothing. <laughs> it's just Batman playing the entire time yep. until we come yep. back, right? And looking at Morbius, I don't think anything's coming out until May then at that point. <laughs> but luckily we do have one of us was able to catch it early. Um, but I think we are going to start yeah. with some of the stuff that's out there uh, originally. Yeah. Let's talk about some stuff that you can watch right now, including Studio 666, the widest release movie of the weekend. <laughs> a bit surprising for a Foo Fighters uh, rock horror comedy thing. Like this kind of yeah. feels like it may be could have been just sort of like a DVD extra on a concert uh, DVD. Yes. But instead, it's like a full horror movie. Which is interesting. Kind of? Yeah. I think if you're a fan of uh, Food Fighters, you're going to be interested in this to some degree just because they're playing a version of themselves that are working on their 10th studio Mm -hmm. album. They play off of, I guess, their quirks. Uh, That's (laughs) who this is for. Everybody else, if you do not care for Food Fighters, I think everybody knows a Food Fighters song to some degree. Like, I don't think they'd hate it. You've at least heard it. But they'd find it pointless in theaters, I think, for the most part. It is a weird combination Mm -hmm. because we've seen bands do similar stuff like this. Um, I know Dane DeHaan played a part in a narrative that was really just a Metallica concert in that one movie that came out a while ago in IMAX theaters. That was kind of an interesting way for a band to put a spin on a tour. Same thing here, but it's done to the degree where it kind of feels like uh, it's a fan film. I don't know why it's playing in theaters. We were lucky enough to get a a, a screening link for this, but um, I I think the gore is the best thing I can give it. I don't care for the quirks that they're giving out, but Jenna Ortega's in this, and she has just defined herself as the queen (laughs) of horror. Her and her co-star the floor, when she's scraping on it as he gets taken away, that has become a combo in 2022. Uh, So shout out to her, shout out to a lot of the special effects that's done in this movie, but overall, Mm -hmm. um, unless you are a really big Foo Fighters fan, I wouldn't recommend this one. Yeah, I, I got to say it's a it's a thumbs down for me, too. I, I kind of was excited for the idea of just sort of like a goofy horror comedy, but I didn't find that the laughs in this movie really worked. Like maybe, like you said, they're better if you know the band well and know the different personalities of this guy. Like to me, I'm limited to like knowing who Dave Grohl is pretty much. Okay. But over and over again, this they they resort to just throwing out vulgarity instead of coming up with a big joke like the I, the amount of f bombs in this movie is way more than in any other comedy that i've seen recently and i'm not like a prude when it comes to that kind of stuff but i think sometimes it's done in place of something that could be more clever like you said though the real uh, ingenuity with this movie is in the kills in the gore there are some pretty Decent. crazy Over unique the top kills for no and and very, very over the top, very gory. They had a a big makeup and effects budget, I feel like, on this movie more than anything else. So if that sounds like your style or if you are a big fan of the band, maybe you will enjoy this one, but I don't see much of a reason to go out of your way to see Studio 666. It's like a... They're a big band. I've seen them multiple times. I've seen them at Lala. I've seen them at Wrigley. I love the band. But it makes... You're kind of going like, why not? But then at the same time, as a fan, you're still going... 
why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this, surprisingly, like Zach said, was the big release in theaters this weekend because everyone's moving out of the way for one of the big ones, Zach. I don't know if you're ready to get just a non-spoiler. I, I'm pretty sure you have seen some of the reviews that have come in. I'm seeing them trickle in for sure. I mean, if you want to, if you want to get to it, then we'll we're get to it. We're talking about. Uh, we're talking about Nirvana here, but Nirv- I didn't realize how much Nirvana inspired the new Batman, that it was written in the <laughs> script that the new Bruce Wayne was inspired by Nirvana to become Batman, Zach. That's not even a lie. That, that is what, that is what uh, this new Batman is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely emo Batman, even though Batman is one of more, our more emo superhero characters. It feels like Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson are, are trying to dial that Nile, uh, that turn up a little bit uh i have yet to been given press access to this one unfortunately but half of your intercut hosts have seen the batman so art you you're the big bat fan anyway you got the little animated character with his batman costume on you've Got I got a whole go collection of comics and VHS that's probably just just sitting off camera. I literally I was supposed to bring that in. That's how excited I was for this. I have all the comics. Uh, I have all the DVDs. I'm missing my VHSs. I did not get to grab them over the weekend. I have all my Batman memorabilia uh, ready to go. We're watching all the movies. We will be working on a bracket. So for those of you who are in your Batmania right mm-hmm. now, we're excited to see the start bracket. brushing up. Start brushing up. Zach's gonna post the bracket. We want y'all to follow along with it. Um, but of course, we can't make a bracket unless we've seen the new one, so we're waiting on that, because only one of us has seen it. And Zach, I mm-hmm. am really hoping that this lives up to the hype for you. First things first, it is too long. It It is so brooding. <sighs> Zach, I don't know How, if this is, is more the hours? realistic How long side. is this thing? No, it's not three hours. It's uh, 2.59. Uh, this is, you don't know if it's in the Nolan <laughs> super realistic side of things. There are moments, Zach, I swear to you, it felt like the 90s version of the Batman's campiness, but it's not done on purpose. I don't even know how to describe you the mix of what this movie is. It is everything all at once. Hold on. We got the stuff right here. Oh, here we go. All the origins imported in. We got everything going in here, boys. The stack. Oh, the audio listeners are missing out. Oh, so here's how it goes. If you are a big fan of any of the previous movies, I think if you like the camp in Batman, I was very surprised to say, Zach, I think there's a secret comedy in this movie with how serious they take it that it's almost hilarious. I think you will know what I mean, and I think several people will know what I mean when I see it. This is a mob epic. This movie takes after, I think, what many have saw, uh, have seen when they saw the trailer, and uh, Matt Reeves, the whole crew have come out and say it, said it. Uh, those of you who have seen The Dark Knight obviously knows that it takes a lot of inspiration from here. This is a this is a comic book right here, where a movie can take one section, another movie can take another section, another section, another section. Dark Knight took a big moment with this uh, when it deals mm-hmm. with uh, Two Face. There is still more in here dealing with mob families. This is DC trying to do the Godfather, Zach. If we were talking about the Joker trying to be taxi wow. driver and the King of Comedy, this is. DC going full on out trying to make a noir movie. People have been calling it uh, Zodiac because that was the movies they were rewatching. They were rewatching the all the President's Men. You are talking about cinema, Zach. They're not trying to make <laughs> no comic book movies over here. They have fully moved over to the side mm-hmm. of bringing in directors mm-hmm. who know what they're doing. Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. No fail, Zach. I don't know if you can pull up his stuff. Cloverfield, the Planet of the Apes movies. One of the things that he's really flexing is You've seen the box set for Planet of the Apes. Those are all my final cuts. This three hour of Batman, <laughs> that's my final cut. Um, I think he delivered with what he wanted. I think a lot of people are going to think it's a lot, but I think for the fans, this is the best Dark Knight movie since The Dark Knight. Uh, I don't think really? it's better than The Dark Knight. Don't let me get carried away, though. It is not better than The Dark Knight. That one's still there. Yeah, so that's that's the thing I did want to ask you though because this is definitely taking a page from the kind of Christopher Nolan brooding serious crime thriller influence on Batman you know it's not it's not going super very superhero-y and very colorful or saturated it's it's going for that kind of like uh dark grimy feel yes how do you feel like this one differentiates itself from the Nolan trilogy um the broodingness. I think this is more so a self-reflective yeah. story for Batman, not so much a Batman mm-hmm. who sees the responsibility to do more, but a Batman who sees the responsibility to be a symbol. There is a lot mm. of 
I don't want to call it subtext because I don't think it's as like hidden, but there is a lot in the movie where, uh, depending on how much you know in 70s cinema, which again, I feel is going to be a big issue for people who also had that problem with the Joker. This mm-hmm. has it here. It's been very interesting to see the people who had a problem with it in the Joker not have a problem with it here. Again, two different movies, two different directors, for sure. But they have very yeah. similar themes, Zach. And I do think that the way Matt Reeves handles it is a little bit better. Uh, and that's due mm-hmm. to its cast. I think the banter between Batman and uh, Catwoman worked pretty well. It is very nice and sexy. I really like Commissioner Gordon. But when it comes to the villains, uh, Riddler is one of my favorites. I, I like him more than the Joker. And I love Paul Dano. I think he has some of the best supporting performances of all time. Awesome. But Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Let's go. Was unbelievable. Unreal. Riddler's cool. He didn't <laughs> blow me away. I'm not going to say, maybe on a rewatch, I'm going to catch yeah. what he really did. But Colin Farrell, when he appears on screen, praise the makeup, bro. Praise his performance. Yeah, it is can still... you recognize him when he appears on screen? Or, or are you like, that's Jeffrey Tambor? Alina looked at me. She completely forgot that he was in the movie. And I was like, that's cinema, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see it in his eyes though this isn't one of those where the makeup's doing the work for you I mean it's carrying a lot but the performance in his eyes is insane and there are a lot of uh, lines that they give him that uh, I think they had the biggest reactions out of our press crowd you know how the press crowds are um, yeah. he killed it yeah he mopped it up he was fantastic I did want to see a little bit more from Alfred we have a new version of Alfred obviously uh, uh, our boy Andy Circus worked with Reeves throughout all of the Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes and now that he's mm-hmm. coming into this, um, I-, I was hoping they do a little bit that they were going to do a little bit more with him, and that's probably where my biggest gripe would be is that it's three hours, and a lot of that focuses in on these brooding stairs, which again, people are going to eat up, some people are going to hate, but it does set up a lot. Um, I was I wanted this to be a little bit more contained. It- it's not crazy like mm-hmm. BVS where you're like, what does that even mean if you're not an avid comic book reader? Um, right. But I did. Yeah, you realize that there's going to be. Is a it a little bit of like Dune Part One syndrome going on here? A little bit less, but kind of because what's Dune getting an HBO series? This is getting a Gotham yeah. uh, an police series. Yeah, um, spinoff. But it definitely feels like he's working for a trilogy. Uh, so in that sense, mm. it's got that Batman Begins feel, where it ends with like, what else can be next for this, you know, Dark Crusader. Uh, but overall, I think it's a very solid movie. I'm very curious to see the reception that it's going to get. Uh, Greg Frazier shot this. Speaking of Dune, you know my favorite character Beautiful. in the movie? The cinematography, baby. Chicago has got them, baby. Let's go. Okay. So beautiful <laughs> shots in this movie. Uh, damn. I, it, a lot of people are saying that it shoots Chicago really well. And I know that's something that like you've been frustrated with in the past with uh, some Chicago set films. We've gotten a quarter of the interviews uh, done so far, and when I tell you that the the honor that was bestowed upon Chicago here, there are shots that are in London, and they took trains from Chicago, Zach, to film over there because they couldn't get those shots here. They were just chicago nice. every little place, and good for it because this is going yeah. to be one of the best-looking movies when it comes to the city, uh, and he just shoots it spectacularly. Awesome. It's really dark. Watch it in a bright IMAX. Watch it with a good surround sound. And I hope that people enjoy this movie. Uh, some people, it will be their favorite Batman. Mine is still The Dark Knight. <laughs> but I'm very happy to see a really cool adaptation to a couple of these books that you're looking up over here. Uh, I really hope you dig it, Zach. I think you being a big, dare I say, Fincher fan. I don't want to make the Fincher comparisons. But I think you being a ooh, Fincher fan, ooh. it's going to be cool to see DC's version Don't get my expectations too high. I have to. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, got a quick question from the live stream here. Devesh asks, would you say this is the first actual Batman film as opposed to a Batman's villain film since Mask of the Phantasm? Ooh, I mean, uh, it is definitely very... Without, like, running through every single title. Yeah, uh, definitely. It, it It's focusing on him. If you've read the comics, this is, like, a year two. So he very much keeps like a journal with it. So you're again, that's why I said it's about him being a symbol. It's about what he represents to the people. So you're following a lot of his psyche. So that brooding aspect of it, there's a reason for it. Some people will think it's too much, but it's really the most uh, contemplative Batman that you've had in a while, Zach. I don't know how else to put it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm very excited for this one. I mean, Matt Reeves has really delivered on that blockbuster stage. And, uh, you know, you... 
It seems like he's going all out for this one. I, I'm I'm definitely excited. I'll see it, I think, Thursday. So we'll hopefully be able to report back next week with some more spoilers. Oh, we'll get full thoughts. spoilers, especially with you, man. There's some stuff that I'm still keeping from you that I hope you dig. It should have been rated R, okay. man. I don't get the PG-13. There's no kid going... Phew, right, it's not rated R. I can't right. see this. Or parent, <laughs> or right? Or parent, yeah. I think they should have gone all the way with it, but I don't know. They should have gone all the way. They did it with Joker. They could have gone. Yeah. Cool. All right, so moving on to other films that were released over the weekend. You want to talk a little bit about No Exit? I don't know if you caught up with this one on Hulu streaming. Uh, kind of a low, uh, a little low-rent thriller that can, finds these Travelers all contained to this rest stop during a blizzard when things start to get increasingly tense. And, you know, I think for the first half of this one, I was I was with it, but not really uh, enjoying it that much. I felt like it was a, a little bit just like cheap. You know, the okay. acting's not that great. The writing's a little bit broad. But by the second half of this one, when they really start to get a little bit more deranged and they start to lean into some of the like slash horror in the genre, I actually found myself really enjoying it. There's two moments in the third act that I was cackling at, one involving a nail that I'm sure you remember yes. if you watched the movie. Um, it, it gets pretty crazy in a fun way. I'm not going to say that this is the the most elegantly made thriller or like a edge of your seat kind of movie, mm-hmm. but for a, a weekend watch on Hulu over the weekend, mm-hmm. I found it to be pretty satisfying. I agree. It's crazy to think that this was uh, one of those Century Fox releases that would have had a really big rollout. Yeah. Because uh, I think Zach and I discussed it last week when we were saying that it was on the horizon. We had a sign, send our blood, DNA, all these different things just to see the movie. And then it expires by the time you get all that. And then three days later, right. it's on Hulu and some of you may not even know it's there. Uh I would go into it as blank as possible. I think uh, everything Zach put, I agree with. And it is a perfect one to have in streaming because I would give it a rent it. I think that it's a nice little uh, ride where the less you know, just like the main character, the more you're going to enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah, it, it's just a easy little movie and yeah, pretty enjoyable. But it does get a little bit gross. So if you're not into the, the horror aspects, like it's not a really, the best really a horror movie. Yeah, but, but like, it's yeah, those horrendous yeah. moments that uh, end up escalating that you did not see coming. Absolutely. Uh, you saw the latest from Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's A Medea Homecoming. I thought he was supposed to retire this character. What happened here? <sighs> Medea never dies, bro. Haven't you heard? No one has. <laughs> no one's ever really gone, Zach. Yeah, yeah. I guess this this is the like Kardashians ending their reality show so they can get a better deal over on Hulu kind of deal where like you, you stop doing it in one place and then like oh thank Net- you Netflix has a I big mean, check like let's let's revive the look, character. You look back at Tyler. Where did he start? In theater theaters, he would dress up as Medea and put on a show. Then he would record that show. Those DVDs sold out. So he's like, all right, let me make it a movie. Those movies sell out. He has to play it in theaters. He's done the TV thing. He hasn't played the streaming game. Now he can bring Medea into streaming. All of the Medea mm-hmm. movies have been th- theater movies. That's insane to think when it comes to this man. Um, but as y'all know, Tyler Perry, love him or hate him, the man, the man is housing royalty. The man has his own acres of land to be able to make any creative project that he wishes to do. The likes mm-hmm. of Fincher have chosen him to represent uh, characters on their frames. And he's back doing some of the goofiest stuff possible, Zach. Is it better than the other Medea movies? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Is it as raunchy as the other ones? Sometimes even more, Zach. Have you ever indulged in a Medea movie? I, I can't get there, man. I've tried a couple times just because they are such a cultural phenomenon, but like it just feels like like watching like somebody else's thing. You know, I, I'm it's not for me. I think and that's a f- I don't extremely fair way to put it. That's an extremely fair way to put it. Yeah. He could be making yep. these as sketches on YouTube, but he's got that Netflix budget, so he's going straight. Exactly. To exactly. It. Uh, I, I tried to catch the first little bit of this because I knew you caught it too, and I, I couldn't make it more than 10 minutes, man. There's some crazy twists in it, though, Zach. So, I mean, the drama is oh. when people go in for it. It's stuff that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Are the characters real characters? No, they're all archetypes, stereotypes, all that stuff. But this is the movie where he decided yeah. to bring in, I guess, two things, you know, to the community of viewers that he has, which was um, 
a gay relationship and then also the Black Lives Matter element from the last year, how he handles it. Right. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to Medea for that advice, but surprisingly, some people are. So he's trying to extend that hand out there. Um, does he achieve it? Only Medea can take one step forward and then three steps back by the end of her movie when it comes to a message. Uh, but expect more Tyler Perry. He's not going anywhere. He didn't make a whole studio to just put away the, uh, the wig and the suit. Mm-hmm. Do you know why it's called Homecoming? Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw there was some Greek lettering. Is there like a fraternity thing going on? or Beyonce was stinked in the making of this film because it ends oh, come with on. Tyler Perry in the Medea outfit in the Beyonce Homecoming Coachella leotard, I think. Or I think it would have <laughs> been the two-piece. And just performs, I think, a couple of Beyonce songs twerking for the finale. So it has that uh, character's dancing as a goodbye that you of like. Of course. So if that's what you guys are interested <laughs> in, Tyler Perry's A Medea Homecoming, streaming on Netflix. Of course. I uh, can't overlook that one. You know, I did notice in just watching the first couple minutes of this that, like, the grass was this unnaturally green color. Not Does real. he just, like, turn the saturation of all these movies up, like, way? Not only that, but I think, uh, I, I think he, like, lives in his town. And he doesn't want to cut his yeah. grass, so it's just turf. <laughs> <laughs> it's just turf all over it's the compound. Just everywhere, yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, you also caught a film that I hadn't really heard much about. Tell me about Wu Assassin's Fistful of Vengeance. Oh, this one's going to be super easy. I know you see the notes I had put there in the notion. Surprisingly, this is a spin-off movie to a series they had called Wu Assassins. Nobody saw Wu Assassins, so when it came to this movie, they didn't know to pitch it as Wu Assassins or just the title, which is, I already forgot what it is. What is it, Fiery something? <laughs> Fistful of Vengeance? Fistful of Vengeance. I only saw it because it's Eco. It's the dude from the yeah. Raid movies. That's all I need to see. Yeah, boy. And then some Marvel stuff starts happening and his fists start lighting on fire. I didn't know what was going on. Turns out, as you can see, they are hiding the fact that this is a spinoff from Wu Assassins, which is weird because you should know that considering that this is in it's within that world. But they don't recap you on that because they're trying to distance it from Wu Assassins. Sometimes it's Wu Assassins, Fire Fistful of Vengeance, whatever it is. Sometimes it's just that by himself. The movie is absolute garbage. I feel so sorry for for Iko. He needs to be in a lot much better things. But I brought all this up to say. That Equals in the Night comes for us. That's also streaming on Netflix. And a lot of people, this auto-played after they quit that one, or it would appear on their thing because it said, you saw this, watch this. And they were logging it on Letterboxd. So I am just here to tell you that if you accidentally saw Wu Assassins, please don't think that that's Equals' best offering. He's got this really good one on Netflix. Go watch the raids, but do yourself a favor. Delete Fistful of Vengeance from your Netflix if you can, and go watch The Night Comes for Us. Fantastic nice, stuff. Nice. Good recommendation there. All right, there's also a couple new comedy specials on Netflix. Where do you want to start out with? Uh, I just wanted to give some quick shout-outs to these. Uh, I don't know if you got to catch any of them, um, but I guess I'll start with the Mo Mo Gilligan one because I had seen a couple of his snippets, kind of like on YouTube. I've never seen a full one of his sets. He knows how to carry the audience. Uh, This is a guy who is obviously coming off of what would be his biggest show. You know, he's got all these viral videos. He's been really big over in the UK. So with this show, he really knows how to work the audience. That's what I really liked about his set. He also does something where I'm curious how you perceive uh, stand-up comedians who use visuals or music cues. Do you see that as a gimmick? Do you, Are you one of those purists who believes the stand-up is literally <laughs> you just standing up? I mean, I, I think that it's maybe a different category, a different subgenre, but it's it's perfectly legit. It's a performance, you know? It's maybe more performance comedy than stand-up comedy, but, like, that, I, who cares about the, those little divisions? I don't know. Chappelle? <laughs> yeah. There are some purists out there. Mark Maron, a lot Mark of people. Mark is a huge one, which is surprisingly because they love Bo. Put yeah. it out there. I think Mo does yeah. it uh, very well. He's got a certain beat that he'll play in the back, but the beat is shifting or certain tense music is shifting. So the idea of having to have that live performance, switching it up depending on who he's playing off with in the audience, but still hit his cues off of the track that's playing out loud. Very, I thought he did a very good job with that. So this would be my recommendation of the week uh, in terms of standups. If y'all were interested, it's over on Netflix. And of course, I have to give a shout out (laughs) to the one and only who is now, I I believe she has a deal with Netflix. I'm not sure. She's coming off of not just uh, having one of the biggest standups because 
Ali Wong was pregnant at the time, and I'm sure many have seen that one uh, thumbnail for her previous performance. Well, she had two. She had two. That way. And then she also had the movie that she did that she uh, co-wrote, produced, starred in over on Netflix. I- I'm blinking on the name of it Always right now. Always Be My Maybe. Keanu Reeves was in it. I know that was a big one. Uh, now she has this, which is another victory lap. It- it's interesting because this is like her second victory lap. And right. <laughs> Boy, I feel so bad for her husband because he's always going to be the butt of the jokes. But as she says, people ask him, uh, how can you put up with all of this belittling that you get on the comedy specials? Well, he's mm-hmm. back home chilling while she's on tour. He takes it. I don't think this is as good as her previous one. But uh, for those interested, I think she has just taken up the raunchiness to the next level, um, which sometimes, you know, for the comedic sense, it goes too far. But with the message she's making, I thought it was pretty interesting because this time around, she's saying every other comedian can get all the women they want. And she's creeped out because all the dudes who like her stuff are too creepy. And she just wants the ability to cheat. She believes men can cheat once they're super famous. Well, she's super famous and she's got no one to cheat on. So that's the big bit for this one. She wants her own Don Wong. But uh, those are the comedy specials for this week. I know that there was a couple that came out uh, on HBO and on Prime. So I'm a big stand-up person. If anyone has some to put on my radar, uh, definitely looking forward to those as well. Yeah, Devesh in the live stream mentioned the uh, Aziz one that recently popped up on Netflix. You caught which, it. I, uh, I, I caught know. you catching yeah. it. Yeah. So you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, it's it's. I like how kind of casual it is, mm-hmm. both in this one and the last one. He's done a really interesting job of uh, not making it this kind of very showy uh, production, but it's instead you really get the feel of kind of just like being in the room and here he's doing the either the entire thing as a surprise pop-in set at the Comedy Cellar, which is a much smaller venue than you normally get for film specials like this. I also like that this is a half-hour special, uh, which I think helps it keep keep it a little more focused and a little more slight. Um, but I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very charming. You know, uh, <laughs> Aziz is obviously a guy who has been in the new, news in different ways, and I think that's kind of affected his perspective in terms of his comedy. Like, he's very into breaking down why things are uh, hot button in certain ways. Mm. And and I just, I thought it was introspective in a way that was really interesting. You know, I think it's, he's one of those comedians who does have the ability to be entertaining, hit you with a punchline from the side that you weren't expecting, but also engage in the kind of thought provoking content that like is actually stuff that is interesting to our modern life and not just some, you know, uh, random observation, you know? So I, I like him as a guy who is, is responding to, to current events. I think he's, he's found a pretty good mold Interesting. Uh, with, with his recent comedy. Decent. So yeah, hopefully you catch up with that one and yeah, let us know if there's any stand-up comedy you've been watching on any of the services. Cause always looking for good uh, examples of that, but that's pretty much what we've been watching over the past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should get into the new to see where we break down the stuff that's coming at you over the next few days. And there's some interesting stuff out there, including the pink cloud finally hitting VOD on March 1st. This is a Sundance 2021 movie. And it's one of those films that was kind of an accidental COVID movie. Uh, it's about a, uh, a pink cloud that infects uh, this, the world and nobody can go outside or else they die. So everybody gets sta- stuck at home and forced into lockdowns. Um, I thought it was a pretty thought provoking and interesting look at what, ha- what people go through and how humans adapt to their circumstances. Uh, you know, I think maybe some people felt like it was a little bit too close to home when we saw it uh, at last year's Sundance. Easily, but yeah. it, it's, it's set with me well and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how people respond once it's out on VOD. Yeah. Now that it's been a little bit longer. Uh, I would thumbs up this one too. I think it's a very interesting story. Like you said, it is taking place all internally because they are all stuck within their homes because of a pink cloud that kills people outside. Very Mm -hmm. interesting to have seen this movie during 2021 Sundance that was completely uh, virtual, but I enjoyed it. I know Alina loved the movie. She loved what it was saying. Mm. And then Amanda on, on the opposite side 
really agreed right, with what hated. was happening, but hated it because of that. So it's like a movie that's discussing something where someone likes exactly what it's saying, but sometimes, yeah, it, it hits too close that you may also not want to sit with it. But I thought it did it. I thought the performances were, were very well done, and it's a very interesting world, especially seeing it before we all collectively went through something like this. So how close right. they got to it. Very well done. Right. That's the thing that's also really cool about it is if you know that this was all written pre-COVID, yeah. to see the ways that she predicted certain things is, is pretty cool. Because we look back to uh, some and other Connor ones in our, and we even yeah. go like, ah, that didn't age well. They don't know what it's like. So... <laughs> Yeah, Connor in our, our live stream mentioned that he loved the Pink Cloud so much and the score is incredible. Uh, Kyo, uh, uh Josh said that he's going to check it out too. So curious to see what people think about the Pink Cloud. Uh, again, it's out on March 1st on VOD and digital. Then hitting Hulu on March 3rd is the first of what's going to be a couple of Elizabeth Holmes projects, Amanda Seyfried and Michael Showalter, we're first to uh, first to get there with the dropout. Yep. The story of Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, I think it's told in an eight part series on Hulu. I, I might be getting the episodes wrong there. Oh, there. Um, I, I was also happy to see a couple of our boys, Naveen Andrews and Utkarsh, show up Dude. in smaller roles in this too. Yeah, I, I was the one who freaked out when I said, "I'm like, yo, that's Saeed." Yeah, no, it's a stacked cast. Yeah. Uh, really stacked cast, but really the star of the show here, obviously, is Amanda Seyfried in the role of Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, yes, she does the voice. Yes, I think she does it really, really well. Same. Like, they, they, I, I was going back and forth trying to compare, and uh, I think she gets a lot of the mannerisms down. It does really feel like a full-bodied performance. You know, there's a whole sequence where she's dancing, and I think episode two where it's just very awkward in a way yeah. that I imagine Elizabeth Holmes might dance, but. Uh, they also like can they also talk about the voice in the series in a really funny way. Um, I'm only through the first three episodes, but I've found it very compelling so far. I don't know if you you caught any more because we caught the first one or two while I was still yeah, in Chicago. We, ca we caught the first one. I was able to see this. Like I saw two out of everything that Hulu was able to give us. You know, just ate around all the stuff that they had there. Uh, I think the first three drop on Hulu this week, and then it's going to be on a weekly release. But I agree with you. I thought she did the accent very well, and this is coming off of Inventing Anna. So I liked it even more because I was like, thank goodness. Right. <laughs> uh, there's an HBO doc out there that also was from Sundance that you can catch if you wanted to know more about the – just the recap really of what this woman did. I think that would be a really mm -hmm. good precursor going into this because us watching it, we, we were going, ah, so that's that guy. He's going to become this. And I think that helps a lot more um, having that perspective. But I'm curious to see how it does for a lot of people who may not know who she may be because I think she's big. But I don't think she's like as mainstream as – uh, most people right. know, like like even the WeWorks guy. I don't think everybody knows the WeWorks guy by name, but they kind of get it. It's like, oh yeah, there's there's a story behind the guy in those buildings. WeWork is still a more popular name because the company is so big than maybe Elizabeth Holmes yep. ever got to. Although like she's pretty, she she became pretty clickable. I don't know. I, I feel like it'll do well, especially because people will be doing the voice comparisons and stuff For like sure. that. Like it maybe maybe it's not going to be as much of a hot button as like doing the end of Delvey voice, but I'm hoping people catch this one because it's a pretty it's pretty solid so far. Um, and I see in the live stream, Josh is pointing out he's not a fan of Michael Showalter as a director. Yeah, I think Showalter can be pretty hit or miss, but uh, also TV, I think maybe is a little bit more his lane and it's, it's more of a writer's medium anyway. So I wouldn't use that as like a reason to uh, avoid a show like The Dropout. So again, I love Showalter. that one drops. <laughs> I, I like Showalter a lot as a writer. He's a little hit or miss as a director, I feel That's like. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, first three episodes going to be available on March 3rd. Another show coming out on March 3rd uh, available for Peacock is Joe versus Carol. This is, I think, the first, again, Who of another cares? rip from the headlines. <laughs> Who uh, you know, what? what is this, a full two years after Tiger King went viral? We're finally getting the fictionalized version. Well, now nobody cares. Like they all released a whole second season of Tiger King, and nobody cared. Like how much do how much do these people regret making this show? It's the reason parodies died in movie theaters. Yeah. Because by the time you make the parody, Saturday Night Live, Twitter, TikTok, everyone has covered it. This was pointless. Yeah. I'm I'm actually happy. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard any real buzz on this, but because I haven't heard any buzz on this, I have a feeling it's not really much going on there. No one cares, dude. So, it's bad. Yeah, we'll see. I'll be hate watching it. I don't care. I don't want to watch it. You're going to hate watch it? I don't know if I can even get myself to go there. I haven't made Tiger King content, so so for the algorithm, for the overlords, maybe this one. I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Uh, another thing coming out on March 3rd, this one is hitting Shudder, is The Scary of 61st. You'll be able to watch it, uh, stream it if you have the service Shudder. Uh, I know you caught it when it hit VOD. Are you recommending Scary of 61st? No. <laughs> but because no. it's on streaming, if you're interested, that's the best place to check it out. If it was like in theaters, yeah. I'd be like, ah. You all have to be really connected to these people and the crazy conspiracies that they go in through. But it's the, co- yeah. the concept is two roommates realize that they're living in Jeffrey Epstein's apartment uh, and wonder what <laughs> happened there and wonder how crazy they need to go. Is it an investigation? Is it a seance, an exorcism that they need to pull in order to figure out these spirits? It is so over the top that there are some elements that I think would be interesting for some people because they go so over the top. Mm-hmm. I can't recommend it, though. But if it's streaming, <laughs> it's there for you. I'll say that much. Yep. Yep. It is an option. (laughs) Also, on March 3rd, uh, Apple TV is debuting the new season of The Problem with Jon Stewart. And I have been a big fan of Jon Stewart's work. I did not catch a single episode of that show. Uh, I try to to do my Apple TV plus fanboy thing here. And uh, I'm I'm letting myself down. I got to go watch some Jon Stewart, I guess. But nobody's really talking about this show. It's... Brings ba- bring us back to your point from last week that Apple TV Plus shows aren't quite yet getting that kind of uh, buzzy week-to-week hype. I just don't think it's a good show. I just think it very much comes oh, off as... Oh, seen it. Uh, I saw the first episode. Uh, it It is terrible. He literally had to stop and say, like, yeah, we're getting the King Street. I was like, yo, this is bad. It's like you were so desperate <laughs> to come back. And you could have. People were ready. Open arms, bro. I know you were so mad you didn't get to talk for four years. I know what four years those were, bro. You're so late on it, and it feels terrible. Because everyone's done his mm. shtick already that he originated, and he doesn't get that. That's the he, thing. Oh, it's and it sucks. It sucks that you come back as the originator. But so many other people have done it and advanced it that you're coming back so late. He's trying to be John right. Oliver so bad. I'm like, just <laughs> right. be like a how, better that, that you. That feels a little or, sad, right? I felt really bad for him, man. And I'm someone who even defended the, the last movie he directed. I thought it was okay. It wasn't great, but I thought it had some funny moments. I can't even I can't even say anything about this. Yeah. He needs to go. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe the kinks are worked out. Yeah, well, let's see. Maybe season two is going to be off on That's a better foot. On Friday, March 4th, asking for it, is hitting theaters, digital, and VOD. This one has a pretty big cast. Kiersey Clemens, Vanessa Hudgens, Ezra Miller, Rada Mitchell, Gabri Sidibe, Luke Hemsworth. Like, no, nobody huge, but, like, a That's lot of pretty good dude. people. We get the link for this, I think, yeah. today, so very... Yeah, I was Forward curious title? based on the trailer, so okay. I'm sure... I'm sure we'll uh, we'll ask we'll be able to talk about ask for it next week. Uh, you already mentioned your thoughts on the Batman, which will finally be available. IMAX, wide IMAX, ladies on and gentlemen, Friday. Man, it just taking up all the room in the movie theaters. No other movies want to go head wide release head to head with the Batman. And I mean, I I get why these movies always make a killing, and it seems like the hype for this one is through the roof. I hope it does well. Uh, Dear Mr. Brody hits theaters in New York and LA. This is a documentary that I know you really, really liked when we caught it, I think, at South by last year. I think it's great. It's the story of a dude who decides, you know, wouldn't the world be a better place if I, being a millionaire, billionaire, boy philanthropist, just gave out money and realizes at, at a certain point that giving out all this money, is that the way to fix the world or does it just cause more problems? That's all you need to know. Please go into it reading nothing else it is based off of a true story i found it fascinating um i would give it a rent it i actually would give it a solid rent it uh, we were comparing what's a good rent it price for you zach if someone were to tell you yo rent this movie on vod what do you think is a proper amount to rent a movie i i'll usually go for a 6.99 rental you know i, I 4.99 feels like the fairest but 6.99 isn't that bad <sighs> i forgot inflation man I'm, I'm still going i still go off my <laughs> 3.99 blockbuster rentals Ooh. yeah yeah man that's that's I went on Voodoo. times con and pass I don't, 
time is so far. I'm like over here at a McDonald's drive-thru realizing there is no such thing as a dollar menu no more. Those things are the two for threes. I guess I would say it's worth the six ninety nine rented. I really did enjoy this movie. I hope that people are able to scope it out and go uh, yeah. with little expectations and, and go through the emotional roller coaster that I was able to during South By. So big thumbs up for me. Yeah. It's a pretty fascinating story. And uh, I think they do a really interesting thing in that they have these kind of like almost vignettes of different people shoved into the middle the of the documentary. Letters. Oh my, I'm not going to say no more. I'm not going to say no more, but I want to say more, but I want to say more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's definitely a good documentary worth checking out there. Uh, another film or not film that's going to be out this weekend. A TV show that's going to be out this weekend on Amazon prime is the, the boys presents diabolical. So this is kind of a curious selection here. It's a series of animated shorts that are not interconnected, that are in the boys' universe, but not canon, I guess. Uh, It's all sort of like set in the world of Vought and superheroes and Homelander shows up, but the first episode is done in the animation style of new Looney Tunes. The second is done in the animation style of Rick and Morty. The third, I think, is done in maybe Invincible's animation style. So they're not even consistent with the animation styles through it. It's it's a pretty cool idea. I'll say that I only saw saw the first three episodes. I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Like, it just kind of feels gory and bloody for the sake of being gory and bloody. Like it, it almost feels like they're doing itchy, itchy and scratchy cartoons, but not as a parody, (laughs) but you know, it's going to appeal to somebody. Is this like product? Obviously it's product from prime milking out their really big franchise. Seth Rogen co-wrote the first episode. What I'm saying is, is this supposed to be within the world? Like, cause you know how they make movies within the boys? Is this stuff that they make within the boys? So this is itchy and scratchy within their world. (laughs) Well, no, because there's like, like they are talking about how Homelander isn't a good guy and stuff. So it's, it's maybe their movies are that introspective. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea, but at least the, for the first three, they didn't work, but each of these is less than 12 minutes long. So it's not like you're going to be wasting a whole lot of time. Yeah. They've been pushing that. Pretty easy. Between this and that Vox Machina one that they have a lot of very Mm -hmm. gory animations. They saw it did well with Invincible and they're like, we'll be invincible with these products. Let's go with it. We'll see how they do. Plus Amazon, plus Amazon needs to have some superhero franchise to make a bunch of spinoffs from. So might as well be the boys. Uh, also out this weekend in theaters, finally, or actually not in theaters, just on Hulu, is Fresh, the horror comedy, mostly horror, that we reviewed out of so- out of Sundance earlier this year. You can check our full thoughts in an after vid- credits video already posted to the channel. Um, but now that we've sat on it for a little over a month, where are you feeling on fresh? How fresh is fresh? It's decent. I think it's gonna. It's the perfect place yeah. to catch this movie is on Hulu. I hope that it's able to build Same. its uh, kind of like Palm Springs vibe of it. I don't expect it to have as much critical acclaim to it in terms of something like Palm Springs. Paul Sp- Palm Springs that plays off as a comedy with a, with a a little bit of a a message in it. I don't think the message is as yeah. profound in Fresh. I like the journey in Fresh. No. And I don't think that the journey is like the craziest movie ever, but I think it's a fun thing. I think the more you dig deep into the message while it's there, it's not as profound as I think the movie thinks it is. And that's not no. a bad thing. It's just that they're really pushing the movie as being like a, a think piece. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> this is what modern dating is like. Don't do that to your movie. Just enjoy the movie for what nah. it is. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So for that, I think it's fine. I think it's once everyone starts making like the video essays of like, oh, the profoundness of. I think the trailer spoils a lot more, but I won't get what it what it gets into. I just don't think it's that deep. Yeah, it's not. I didn't really take that much deep from it. But when it gets to that third act and it gets to the big twists and the big kills and stuff like that, it works. It works. Great freedom. Let's go. Theaters. This weekend, Fantastic. this was Austrian submission for Best International Feature, though it did not get shortlisted. Mm-hmm. It was the winner of Uncertain Regard at Cannes. So it comes stamped with approval from the French. 
Art, you caught this one, yeah, right? Approval for me too. Was able to catch this in Chicago. I was hoping that this could have snuck in uh, for a submission, but I think that this one was fantastic. For those of you who have seen, uh, if you click on the actor, he has done previous films like uh, I think he was just in Undine. Um, hmm. He is a fantastic actor, and he absolutely kills it in this performance. He is playing um, a dude. I'm blinking on the times. I want to say it's around World War II, right after, around there, uh, where being homosexual is illegal, and he gets caught because they're putting, uh, you know, they're catching them in this bathroom where they go to solicit these acts. So a lot of the journey right. is him in prison and how he interacts, not just with the guards but with the inmates, and his own personal journey of what he's going through and the imprisonment of the mind. It worked for me, Zach. I thought this was a beautifully shot movie. Uh, I personally think he's one of the best actors of last year um, for his performance in this. And I really can't wait to watch this again because that poster is insane. It's one of my favorite posters yeah, of really last cool year poster. as well. It's a really cool poster. So I would highly recommend this one. This one gets a solid junior price for me. If you, if this is playing near you at a nice art house theater, it's worth, worth the ticket. Awesome. Yeah, this one was on my radar. Um, it was one of the ones that before they had assembled the shortlist, I was seeing a lot of people hoping that this would get on the shortlist. So unfortunate that it missed out there, but maybe people some will be able to catch up with it. Yeah. Um, who does Salon? This is a new one from IFC Films. Looked pretty interesting about a woman whose visit to the hair salon turns into a nightmare when she's blackmailed by its Bam. owner. Heard, heard some pretty cool things about cool this premise. one, but neither of us... Uh, neither of us were able to catch up to it. Um, also in theaters, or sorry, I keep saying in theaters when it's available <laughs> on streaming, but that's what modern theater, Hollywood is nowadays. At home. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Lucy and Desi a little bit. Another film from Sundance that's going to be available on Amazon Prime, directed by Amy Poehler. It takes a look at the lives of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz as, as both people and moguls. Uh, I thought this one was a really excellent bio documentary. Like, I had my expectations pretty low because I feel like sometimes when actors do documentaries they they don't bring a lot of craft to it but i liked how it was crafted i liked that most of the you know they don't do a lot of talking head stuff it's really about footage of these funny people and pulling from the archives and it it's really illuminating i felt like i learned a lot from it it's absolutely a better use of your time than watching being the ricardos but they're using it to promote being the ricardos being I the ricardos Zach, well, yeah. it was the first thing we saw when when uh they said the release date was going to be right at the beginning of March, right when they're going to do the Academy voting. And I sent him literally the ad on Twitter where people were arguing down below for a movie that it wasn't, they thought they had, uh, they thought the post was for being the Ricardos and they were already arguing for that movie. So it is working yep. for primes for primes push. Ain't nobody, nobody does it better than prime. I'll say that much in <laughs> being able to shape the narrative but this is the good version to watch it is very clear how inspired polar is and yeah. wow you actually got to know lucy <laughs> that was great to <laughs> right. see right weird so, so i do this is a thumbs up for me absolutely and uh maybe it, it results in nicole kidman getting another oscar <laughs> Mother Schmuckers, let's keep it with Sundance alums. Mother Schmuckers played the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. It is a very bizarre, very gross, very subversive French comedy. Uh, and the more that I've sat with it, the more that I really think I enjoyed my time with this one. It is it's gross. It is not comfortable to watch at a lot of points in terms of the, like, either uh, you know the various vulgarities or scatological humor or like cannibalistic humor or whatever you want to call call it uh, bat animalistic I don't know it it is it is a comedy that is unafraid of social taboos but there are moments in there that are really reminiscent of like Tim and Eric's work particularly I know something that you were a fan of when they would do the chase sequence and cut back to the same shot it's again so and again funny for no reason. <laughs> It's so funny. I, look, if you are a person who is into out there comedies, highly, highly recommend this one. Yeah. If you're not, stay away. away from Mother Schmuckers. This year, the midnight movie that we had would have been The Babysitter, also a foreign film, mm -hmm. and where you have these, or international film, where you have uh, these two dudes who like did something to a camera person live, so now they have to deal with the repercussions of that of being canceled to a degree. And all I kept thinking was, they never really went there. 
like a mother schmucker would. Nope. You know, so definitely, I've been mm-hmm. saying don't watch this movie, and I continue to say stay away from mother schmuckers. But if you dare, <laughs> it's finally out. Absolutely. A couple more before we wrap up the new to see. Uh, Take Back the Night hits theaters and digital. This is the new one from Dark Sky Films. Uh, another horror for people who are in the horror community of that world. And then You Will Remember Me hits virtual theaters. This one uh, uh, about a retired public figure and a history professor who begins to lose his memory. Uh, I've heard some pretty interesting stuff about this one. I think it did a couple festivals. So uh, another option for people looking for a low-key drama for the weekend. These but are- why don't we hit why don't we hit the people with some picks for the week? Art, what are you recommending that people at home check out? Uh, well, there's a couple of movies that you can watch from the comfort of your own home that I think were some really good theatrical releases. Uh, I'll begin with Parallel Mothers because that is a movie that didn't even get shortlisted because Spain submitted something else, but it still snuck its way through with a nomination uh, for Best Actress. It is now playing... And Best Score. Did it get Best Score, too? Yeah, somehow. Dope. Okay, well, this movie's uh, streaming virtually. Uh, I had put the link there. I I forget how much it is, but however much it was, I did think that for a movie of this caliber, the new Pedro Almodovar, it is worth catching at that primo price at home, uh, especially if you're doing the catch-up for the movies for the Oscars. Definitely worth it. I really enjoy this story because he did a a very, um, he meshed it very well in terms of these two mothers who are dealing with the birth of their children and, you know, how all of that is intertwined to this backdrop history of Spain. And the way he meshed that in, I thought was very beautifully done. Um, Highly recommend this one. You could stream it in the comfort of your own home, along with a thriller that we saw from South by last year called Here Before. It stars the one and only... Blinking on her name already. Andrea Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough. I don't think you got to catch this one, and I am very excited nah, for I you didn't. to catch this because I think the third act hits, and I have not had the chance mm. to rewatch this yet, but now that it's out, uh, I want to go back to it and pick up on all the clues and stuff. Obviously, when it comes to the acting, she's going to kill it. But this is an Irish film, and I don't, they just know how to do tense thrillers, man, especially when it comes to family dramas. <laughs> uh, they know how to kill all that. Right. I would highly, highly recommend Here Before. That is also available virtually. Uh, and then one that I believe you and I are sharing. You didn't get to do your Apple yep. um, promos earlier, so Zach, catch that check. Why should people be catching Severance? Uh, Severance is a really interesting new show. I mean, we got Ben Stiller directing it, All the first episodes, of all, which right? is interesting because... Yeah, he's like now evolving for away from comedy actor into like prestige TV director. I didn't catch Escape from Danamura, that other mm-hmm. show that he did, but I I heard nothing but great things about it. This one is a very very compelling because it's like got this interesting light sci-fi element, but it's really like about work and and labor and workers' rights in a weird way in that it's set in this strange universe where Adam Scott and a couple other characters have a severance in their brain. So when they walk through the doors of their office, essentially, they become a different personality and they have no memories of their life outside. And then when they go outside, they have no memories of their life inside work, which just ends up being this really compelling setup to analyze like what does it mean to be an employee and what rights do we have as human like it it it's creates this whole ethical scenario that like I, I hadn't even considered and I just love living in a world that gives you those questions to ponder on, right? Uh not that that it doesn't help it sorry, it doesn't hurt that it's also guided by Adam Scott who's really great at kind of doing this like corporate guy who's about to crack yes. thing. Like he looks like he looks like he should be like a, a model in a Gap magazine or something Since like that, but one. he also <laughs> is always been a stay. <laughs> very, very, very funny and has this like anger beneath the surface yeah. that I think he utilizes well. I really like this show, man. I'm I'm three deep and I can't wait to watch the rest. And it's just cool. Like it's just yeah. shot beautifully. You're oh, thinking the second best to second, title sequence I've seen. The best title sequence I've seen in maybe years. It's, it's a really good looking show. It streams beautifully on Apple. Uh, I've been wanting to just finish this because I caught it right before we left for Sundance. And I was telling you, I was like, yo, this is a good one out of all the shows that they've uh, right. given us early. Uh, and there, there's several that they're about to come up with and they're rolling out weekly. I, I'm really hoping that this is the one that's able to pick up an audience. Very good show. Yeah, don't sleep on Severance. It is a very, very good show. 
Um, so that would be my pick for the week as well. I'll also throw out the Lucy and Desi documentary we talked about earlier, which is hitting Amazon Prime. And lastly, Mother Schmuckers. Don't do Man. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch Don't it do because it. it made me laugh. It just it made me laugh. So. Um, it. I don't know if you necessarily want to watch it if you're sensitive about dog stuff, but but as two big dog people, um, <laughs> I think we get upset when we see something and we warn each other about it. We're like, all right, that was uncalled for. Right, right. You don't need to kill the dog in that movie. Sometimes someone does an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I have never seen it done like, like this. this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whether that helps, whether that doesn't, I don't know. I'm still saying don't watch it. But Zach says, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is a notable absence from our What We're Watching, and that would be season two of Euphoria, which had its big finale last night. I think we are going yes, to did. circle back and come here and do another live stream tomorrow around the same time mm -hmm. and, and break down that finale as well as all of season two in detail. So if you're waiting for our thoughts on euphoria, you know, we'll be, we'll be right back on the channel with more very soon. I think we have time maybe for a couple quick questions before we wrap sure. things up here. So if you're in the live stream, leave some uh, thoughts down below. We'll start it with a question from Abby who th has asks our thoughts on Coda winning best ensemble from SAG. Does it increase their chances of winning Best Picture at the Oscars, and what are your top three among Best uh, Best Picture winners, uh, or a best possible Best Picture, I guess. Uh, as far as Coda at SAG, it was really cool to see. Not only they won Ensemble, Troy Kotzer picked, picked up the Best Supporting Actor statue. I feel like that is a lot more indicative of where the Oscars might ultimately go. I, I think uh, Kotzer has been like this looming dark horse in the supporting actor race. And one thing that I've been saying, like any chance I can, can on Intercut, I think the Oscars like to give different movies different awards. And giving Kotzer the supporting actor Oscar would mean Coda got its award, it got its love, everybody got to celebrate Coda in that specific way, and then ultimately they won't vote for it in the bigger categories. I, I think that Coda is a very sweet movie. I really enjoyed my time with it, but I do find it a little bit hard to believe that it could win Best Picture, given the rest of the nominees. I don't see the Best Picture talk, but I do see the Troy talk. We had discussed it as well. That's probably our, like, you said the Dark Horse. I just want Cody to win, man. Yeah. I, I still want Cody to win. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it does get that supporting actor so we can celebrate the movie a little bit. Uh, uh, what else was there? Abby also asked us, which returning shows are you most excited about in 2022? Some closing in, like Succession, Better Call Saul, and Ozark. I don't know how far ahead I'm looking for some of that. Like, I definitely want to see the final season of Better Call Saul. Uh, I don't know if we're getting succession this year, man. They supposedly they're shooting in June. So that'd be a pretty quick turnaround for mm. it. Uh, but the top two, and I, I know you shared these with me, Atlanta and Barry are coming back this month. I, or yeah. I guess technically it's not March yet, but I'm less than a month from now. Yeah, those are definitely the two that I'm excited for. Um, I know she had also said Peaky Blinders. I have not caught any of Peaky Blinders. That's my one show along with Boardwalk Empire. That is completed. Once Peaky Blinders wraps, mm -hmm. that's the show where, like, I'm going to take that at my own pace. I want to eat that bad boy up. I've heard nothing but great things about Peaky Blinders. Uh, Ozark, I'm just a season behind, so that's probably the one I'm going to catch up on. But I I'm so behind on Better Call Saul. So I do need to finish that one because I thought that had wrapped already. And then it did one of those A, B things just like Ozark's doing. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Uh, Connor in the comments is pointing out He's that right. somehow I missed... Well. After Yang I don't know if it's limited. Because I don't know if it's playing. I think it's going to be streaming too. Get out of it. Wasn't that the thing that Showtime? it's doing to the Showtime thing? Oh my yeah. goodness. All right, then after Yang's mind. So we're less than a week away from one of the best movies of the year. I wrote this down out. even in my Batman notes for the LME review because I put that... Uh, um, Cobblepot. Two great Colin yeah, Farrell two great performances. Colin Farrell performances in one week. So that's going to be pretty dope. Uh, no, dude, yeah, we, yeah. I, that was my favorite l narrative out of the festival. So 100%. Thank you, Connor. After game oh, yeah. for sure. Absolutely got absolutely to gotta give that a shout out. That is a certain pick for the week. Uh, did you ever talk about uh, Alice in Borderlands? Yeah, I saw Gustavo said, asking for your thoughts on Alice it? in Borderlands. And then Gustavo said, Art, you're sleeping on Alice in Borderlands. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Gustavo's yes, been you, pushing you us to do Alice in Borderlands. I haven't caught up with that, that one. You know, I've heard nothing but great things about this. The way that uh, people have pitched yeah. it to me, this obviously preceded uh, Squid Games, which was also brought up. I have also not finished the last episode of Squid Games, so I have a lot of catching up in terms of all of that. But uh, <laughs> hey, I don't know if Alice speaking is getting a of Squid two, Games and to... speaking of Squid Game and SAG, they basically swept the categories they were in. Uh, both those dudes I was hearing, and yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, they all picked up SAG Awards. I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow. I, I feel like it's a it's an anomaly and kind of like just respecting the the you know phenomena of it all. But it's pretty cool yeah. to see. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you know what else is cool Did to not, see, Zach? When season Succession two comes out, this and, ensemble. Well, that too. <laughs> oh, people are gonna people are not <laughs> wait, gonna wait, be what? as into season two. <laughs> When this got nominated everywhere, then season two comes out. It's the exact same thing, and like everyone forgets it. And you remember yep, what they yep, were all yep. on for this year? Yeah, that's what that sounds like to me. Um, I do need to watch Alice in Borderlands, though, so I will get to that. I apologize. Yep. Uh, one last thing here before we close. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Oscars choosing to throw half or like a third of their categories under the bus. Uh, no. Best sound, no best editing, no best shorts, no best score presentation at on the Oscars telecast this year if things stay pat where they were. I'm not so sure that this will ultimately go through because there seems to be a lot of pushback from just the general public as well as members of the Academy. I don't know if you've read the news that the nominees for best score are threatening, threatening to boycott the Oscars if they, they stick to their current plan. They should. I, I, I agree, man. It's, it's really bogus. And I'm just very tired of the people they choose to produce the Oscars taking away the things that people tune into the broadcast for. Like, this is the Oscars, right? Like, we're not... We could watch Entertainment Tonight if we're just trying to stare at celebrities. We're tuning in for the awards. Give me the awards. Don't give me the awards in a tweet two hours before the show. Like, it, I was even a bigger fan of their plan for a couple of years ago when they were going to do the awards. the awards during the commercial breaks. And, and then put and it then in just, the ceremony. Yeah. But then they forgot that that would require hiring an editor and they just pissed off all the editors. <laughs> But, like, they're planning to do... They want people to be in their seats at 4 p.m. so they can give out Oscars before the telecast starts. What is happening? Why are you ruining the Oscars? I don't know, man. I'm going to keep it at It's, it's we're nonsensical. Because we're going to keep yeah. venting about this until we get there. But I had one question because I saw yeah, this in the chat. Yeah, we still got to do our Oscars recording. Yeah. Uh, you said Shoot. that the SAGs, because I didn't see through everything. I've only seen the headlines. For TV, Succession 1 Ensemble? I think it did, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just asking because if Succession won Ensemble, but the Squid Game peeps won individuals, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I was just a little side thought. I, I, yeah. I wasn't sure. But yeah, I need to watch Alice in Borderlands. Yeah. It, yeah, I almost feel like they should have reversed that, right? Like give Succession the individuals and then... I don't know. But, and that's the thing is everybody on Succession's good. Maybe they just needed to uh, give Matthew McFadyen something. They just do. They should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and then also Jessica Chastain ended up picking up Best Actress, which everybody I saw on Twitter decided to say that means she's locked up the Oscar. No, I don't know if it's I don't think quite was, so yeah. secure. Penelope Cruz, um, please just come in, take it, just snatch it from all of them. That'd be great. That would be pretty yeah. dope. That would be pretty cool. That'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, I see Devesh just really quickly. Potential for Batman Oscars next year? Probably. I mean, if you saw what they did with the oh, Joker, right. and if it's in the same vein as the Joker, and it's got that Warner Brothers mm -hmm. budget, I can see it, especially for all the technical stuff. The thing about Joker, though, is it did have that walking performance at its center, which, again, went on to win Best Actor. Do you feel like they have... Um, any acting contenders here, or is it going to be mostly the technical awards where it gets awarded? Uh, I'd be surprised with the acting. I'm not saying the acting is bad. The only one that I would put yeah, for acting is Oscar worthy. Is you know, though. that's the only yeah, one I would put. Yeah. I legitimately really like his character. He'd be that character in a mafia movie who would get that nomination. I'm not calling him Joe Pesci, but yeah. I'm saying if Joe Pesci can get a nomination <laughs> and they want to nominate superhero characters, I can see that happening. Uh, Zodiac got a nomination, did it not? Yeah. So why wouldn't uh, DC Zodiac did, yeah. get a nomination? Robert Downey did. 
<laughs> he got best picture now, no? Time will tell. Uh, Zodiac, I think it did. Uh, but also Robert Downey got that supporting yeah. actor now. Yeah. Because I, I think that's the biggest one. Time is that tell. People want to see the Batman as best picture because they did it with Dark Knight. So yeah. time will tell. Yeah, exactly. It's optimistic. I could say and that. And Matt much. Reeves is a filmmaker who maybe could they use like, some, I don't know. I, I, I could see it. I could see it happening. Uh, I could but see it. Maybe I'll have a different thought when I actually get to see the movie. We'll we'll report back next week. Uh, but that's about we'll all for that the weekend must watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, as I said, we'll be back tomorrow with some thoughts on season two of Euphoria, but that's all for this installment of Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. Artwork, and people find more from you. You can find me over at LME Explain on Letterboxd, joining up all of the Batman news, brooding over on Twitter at LME Explain about all of the Rabinson, ra- Rabinson, uh, I've been calling him Badinson, uh memes, and just every week here on the Intercut podcast. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed, as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the weekend must-watch of Intercut every every Monday at 3 p.m., live streaming on YouTube, 3 p.m. Eastern, and then We'll uh, disseminate the audio later that night and catch us throughout the week as we do more installments of the show. We'll be back, as I mentioned, with talks about Euphoria. We're going to talk about Genius later this week. Uh, We are going to bring you our picks for Oscar nominees this week. We're filming a Batman bracket that's coming out next week. A lot of intercut content on the way. So please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five-star review and shout out to our listeners in, let me pull it up. Oh, it's Nigeria topping the charts right now. Shout Let's out go. Nigeria for putting us on those TV and film podcast charts out there. Uh, like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod, and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash IntercutPod. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly Google Hangouts, early access to episode outlines, and some other cool content that's behind the scenes. Also, check out our Discord where you can keep the conversation going throughout the week. Uh, It is available in a link in the description. So follow us on social media to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, play it in L-sharp.